Hello, my name is Tom Chamberlain. I am president of the Oregon AFL-CIO, and I want to welcome you to the Voice of Oregon Workers, a monthly podcast from the Oregon AFL-CIO, the statewide federation of unions representing over 300,000 working people in Oregon. Earlier this month, Oregonians learned that Initiative Petition 22 qualified for the November ballot as Ballot Measure 105. The Oregon AFL-CIO stands strongly against this ballot measure, which seeks to repeal our state's 30-year-old sanctuary state law. It's backed by a known hate group and would increase racial profiling, harm immigrant communities, and jeopardize public safety. Ballot Measure 105 could open the door to racial profiling and families being torn apart simply because someone is perceived to be an undocumented worker. That's not the Oregon way, and that's not why Oregon Union Movement stands united against this ballot measure. On this month's episode, we'll talk with the people who are organizing the strong opposition to ballot measure 105. We're excited to be speaking with two people on the cutting edge of fighting for sanctuary in Oregon. Christina Marquez, who is the campaign manager for the Oregonians United Against Profiling campaign, and Sammy Alabdraba, a member of the Coalition of Graduate Employees at Oregon State University, who's also a Corvallis School Board member and recently helped pass a resolution at the National American Federation of Teachers Convention. We should be proud as Oregonians to have these two organizers and activists in our state fighting for more inclusive communities and spaces. Welcome to the podcast, Christine, Christina and Sammy. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So um, to kick us off, uh, Christine, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about the Oregonians United Against Profiling campaign uh, and why it's important. Yeah, um, so Oregonians United Against Profiling is a coalition working to um, keep our sanctuary law as a state, which has been in place for over 30 years and it's been working as intended. Um, we want to uplift our values as Oregonians that we should welcome folks who look different from us and um, look out for our neighbors. Great. So um, I'd be curious to know a little bit, I'm sure listeners would be curious about the history of the state sanctuary law. You mentioned that it's been working as intended, but maybe tell a little bit about the history of the state law and uh, why this is just so ridiculous that we're now facing a, a, an attack on it. Yeah. So um, this all actually, like I mentioned, was passed in the 80s because at that time we were seeing a lot of cases of racial profiling. Um, in one incident in Independence, um, a man was ra- racially profiled by police thinking that he was undocumented and he was a U.S. citizen. Um, and we saw a lot of those cases. Personally, I had family who was here at that time um, who you know, feared the police because they knew that they were targeting folks based on the color of their skin. Um, and so we're afraid of going back to that time. Um, and um, this law has been working as intended. You know, it gives clear guidance to law enforcement about separating federal immigration um, enforcement from local issues. And so um, we're working really hard to ensure that we can keep this law. Great, thanks. And Sammy, uh, tell us a little bit about the resolution uh, passed at AFT's convention. It's timely that this just happened just a few weeks ago at the National AFT convention in, where was it located? It's, uh, it was in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, that's right. Um, and it calls uh, on AFT, uh, T, AFT to prioritize sanctuary campuses. So tell us a little bit about the impetus for this and uh, why it's such a priority for CGE and AFT. Absolutely. So this all started from Oregon and on the state uh, convention uh, last year uh, or er- uh, earlier, uh, 
we have this idea that uh, schools and uh, campuses, college campuses, should be a safe place for students and faculty and people to uh, go there, exchange knowledge, and learn. And uh, we collaborate together on a state-level convention uh, to uh, send this uh, for the national and pass it. Uh, and the idea of it, if you have uh, public officers, uh, public safety officers in a university or in a school district, uh, they should focus on uh, the safety of the school and they should not interrogate students. Uh, we should not ask students for the do their documentation status. Uh, one uh, parallel that's what's very useful through my service on the school board, uh, a week before I was appointed and we reaffirmed it uh, uh, this year as well, uh, we had a resolution 16-1201 on the Corral School District uh, level where uh, we uh, affirmed the rights of undocumented students and protocols for immigration and customs enforcement, ICE, access to school. And the idea of it, we were appealing to the Supreme uh, Court President, Plyler versus Dahl, that says uh, there's equal access to public education for all children, including those who are undocumented or come from families with members who are undocumented. Whoever you are, we should not care about your documentation if you want to have access to public education. So AFD affirmed that idea, and we had we have did we did that in, on a school district level, and we wanted to do that on a, a national level for every single school district, for every single university. Uh, kids and youth should be safe and free to go to school without fearing that they might not be able to go back home, or maybe their parents, when they're driving them to school, uh, they might be harassed by ICE uh, immigration uh, folks. Uh, and that's the idea of it. I work at Oregon State University, and I understand we uh, don't uh, share uh, immigration uh, information with uh, others uh, outside the university. And uh, at the school uh, district level, uh, we just don't store it. We don't ask students for uh, their immigration status. As long as you're a resident, uh, that's what we care about. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the idea of it. And on the national level, uh, all delegates and that means graduate employees, professors, classified staff, uh, bus drivers uh, from all around the nation. Uh, the delegates unanimously said, we stand by this. And we want to encourage uh, locals, uh, AFT locals, to go to their school boards, uh, to go to uh, their uh, board of trustees at the university level and say, we need to make sure our campuses are sanctuary. That's really powerful. Um, so uh, thanks for that background. Um, but I got to ask, Sammy, uh, national union conventions mm -hmm. are something. They're high energy. They're exciting. They're yeah. inspiring. Um, so give listeners a little bit more of a taste of what it was like debating this resolution and what it meant for the AFT Oregon delegation. Wow, that was a very inspiring moment. Uh, and uh, the convention is huge. Uh, you got uh, We got like thousands of people and we represent uh, 1.5 million members uh, all around the nation uh, from all walks of life. And uh, we had uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren among uh, the speakers and elected officials uh, on local and state levels uh, from around the nation speaking to uh, the delegates and we discussed many important issues. Uh, this, this one was really one of the easiest uh, ones to have everyone on board, uh, fortunately. Uh, the debates are uh, so inspiring. Uh, most of the time whenever you have something that, that's contentious uh, or something that everyone is on board with, uh, including uh, this resolution in support of sanctuary schools and campuses, 
people are bringing their stories. Uh, people are telling me uh, how this impacts them or impacts a uh, child or their family to feel safe that they can't go to a school or they can keep going to the university. So uh, the testimonies were about uh, personal stories. Um, it, it was very uh, great to see that and knowing that teachers come from all ideologies uh, and people who work in school system uh, or university system uh, might have different interests, but when it comes to um, feeling safe when you're in school or university, I believe everyone was on board and I was very inspired by that. Uh, the connections that you can get, and I encourage anyone from any local uh, to go to national conventions. Uh, there's lots of high energy and you get to know people from all around the nation uh, and you see what's important for people. And I can assure you, um, the dedication and commitment to uh, kids and youth uh, especially undocumented ones uh, is is there and I'm so proud of to see that that's great that's great and you know whether it's on a campus or a statewide law the idea of sanctuary uh, can be a little confusing to folks um, especially in these politically divisive times you know we're seeing a lot of false information being thrown around and I'd like to make sure we focus a lot on this in-state struggle that we have now uh, where immigrants are being targeted and uh, and it's going to be a hate-fueled ballot measure campaign that's going to be really ugly and unfortunate, but nonetheless, a uh, great coalition's growing. And uh, I was hoping, uh, Christina, you could tell us a little bit about who's behind Measure 105 and maybe some of the misinformation that's out there. Yeah, so um, the folks behind 105 um, is OFER, Organized for Immigration Reform. They're a group that has been categorized as a hate group by the Southern um, Poverty Law Center and has deep ties to white supremacist groups. Um, they've, you know, been at the forefront of um, putting a lot of anti-immigrant ballot initiatives um, and hoping to qualify this um, and dividing Oregonians. Um, that's why we've assembled, like you mentioned, that strong coalition of over a hundred folks um, from business to labor to um, faith leaders coming together because we um, believe in a better Oregon. We believe in an Oregon that welcomes uh, other folks um, and that um, is not okay with profiling and, um, you know, targeting folks based on their color of their skin. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really inspiring to hear uh, about the growing coalition. So uh, it seems like this is sort of one of those issues that brings a lot of diverse perspectives together in terms of, you know, the business community and folks that oppose this kind of thing, um, in addition to the usual, um, you know, progressive community that rallies behind this kind of stuff a lot. Um, I don't know if you want to share anything more about the specifics of the coalition and uh, some of the exciting things that are happening um, in the in the months ahead. Yeah, I think um, the sanctuary law really has a lot of support. Um, when it passed, it had near unanimous support, um, both you know Republican and Democrats, and so it really shows that this is a common sense law. Um, we've gotten a lot of support from the business community, including Nike, Columbia, who have come out and said that. They're against removing our sanctuary law, no on 105. Um, so it really shows that, you know, regardless of this is not about politics, this is about, um, you know, our families and our community as Oregonians. Great. Uh, that's, that's great to hear. So uh, back to you, Sammy. Uh, tell, me, tell us a little bit about you. You uh, open with this some, but I'm curious if you could share a little bit more about why campuses um, why are campuses and schools a focus of AFT? I mean, I recognize that it's inherent in the membership that AFT represents, but um, but you had mentioned earlier um, about some of the some of the the really 
dangerous and scary situations that uh, both students and uh, workers, educators, mm -hmm. teachers, faculty um, have faced uh, in campuses and in school settings. So could you say a little bit more about um, kind of what drove um, this at the school and campus level and kind of why it became that became a focus because there's other other ways you could uh, approach defending um, you know or making more inclusive spaces in sanctuary uh, absolutely absolutely the culture of fear whenever it's there you can't learn and it goes all the way to the phys uh, physics of the brain or the biology of the brain if you are afraid if you are worried you cannot learn and I would encourage anyone who's thinking about this or go to a school or send their kids to school, think about it. If every night your children go to sleep and they're not sure how safe their school will be or they're not sure if they can work at the university or go to uh, their class and not be harassed by someone. And it, this is very uh, a real concern. Uh, we have uh, learned that immigration officers will be uh, disguised in uh, a uniform or without a uniform and sometimes waiting in front of the courthouse and I don't want them to be waiting in front of the school or maybe interrogating people uh, it's it's it just concerns me when I think about a campus I think about a sanctuary I think about a place that is free of prejudice free of fear and free of concern there's all only one thing we're all there to learn and grow and I believe uh, the AFT affiliates uh, I agree with that concept, which is we work there and we want the working environment to be productive, mm -hmm. safe, and we want to do our job, which is educate everyone and be able to help everyone without uh, the fear of uh, seeing folks coming in and interrogating, asking people, why are you speaking Arabic or Spanish, or why do you look differently? And I, I believe we had to really make sure uh, that's being uh, reinforced. Uh, it's again, it's something that the Supreme Court agrees on. Now I know many of uh, uh, union folks now are not happy with the Supreme Court, but in 1982 uh, they affirmed it. Undocumented and documented members of the community deserve education and this is their right and we want to affirm that. Yeah, that's really, um, really powerful. And I think that same belief about uh, when you think about schools, campuses, um, and the and the perspective of a student um, at night, and their 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 belief that school should be a safe place is obviously what drives this broader fight to defend um, uh, safe communities across the state of Oregon. And so, um, Christina, maybe you could uh, help listeners um, who might not understand the basic concept of sanctuary. Um, what would you say to to someone that uh, maybe is not conflicted or or, or en enticed by the opposition's messaging, but just confused about what sanctuary means? What would you say to that person? Yeah, I think going back to what Sammy was saying, um, folks need to remember that immigrants and people of color are your neighbors, um, you know, your friends, your coworkers, and sometimes your family members, um, and that there real there are you know real concerns and is right now we're at a time where we're seeing children being separated by their family members, people being targeted based on the color of their skin. Um, and so this issue of sanctuary is about ensuring that um, we're not creating um, additional um, fears for folks and that it's about you know treating people fairly and going back to our values of um, looking out for our neighbors who are at this time you know in fear. Um, and so, you know, taking this law back would make it um, back to a time in the 80s where folks were being targeted, um, again, based on the color of their skin. And so, um, 
I, I have, you know, a lot of hope that we're good vote voters will um, look out for their friends and family members and um, vote no um, this November. Yeah, great. As do I, I think. Yes. Uh, I think this is, um, you know, kind of a fundamental uh, question of, like, where our state's going to move next. And is it going to move backwards or is it going to move forward? And I moved to Oregon and I've spent my the last, you know, decade and a half um, in the progressive community and in the labor movement um, fighting to move Oregon forward and be a national leader. Uh, and I'm not about to see that uh, change. Um, so... Uh, but regarding Measure 105, tell us a little bit about, um, not to spend too much time on what the opposition is saying, but I am curious um, for listeners, what, uh, what are opponents saying, opponents to sanctuary saying um, that are uh, the, in their efforts to try to convince people to, uh, to, to, you know, to support their perspective, their uh, bigoted, hate-filled perspective? <laughs> yeah, I think like you mentioned, um, we'll see a lot of fear-mongering, a lot of um, trying to pit Argonians against each other. And, and so with this um, upcoming decision that voters will have to make, that's something that will come up once and once again. Um, but I think it's just remembered, it's important to remember that um, that we need to, again, go back to our values as Zirgonians and think about um, our immigrant neighbors and friends and family members who um, call Oregon home. Um, and so just not fall into that. Great. One thing I would add is uh, I was very fortunate to, uh, in 2016 I was canvassing doors and one of the independents affiliated uh, folks, uh, uh, I think I, I, I talked with him for half an hour because his first question for me was how do you stand about, uh, what's your stance about uh, sanctuary cities? And I was very curious, what do you think uh, sanctuary cities are? And uh, I understood he's against it. And when I followed through, uh, it's all melted down into possibly prejudice against uh, other folks uh, who does not look the same as he, he is, but also the idea of law and order. Everyone have to uh, stand in the line and wait in line. And the idea of understanding not everyone can go to an American embassy in uh, uh, other countries. Sometimes they don't have access to it. Sometimes they were born and they were they migrated out of very exterminating circumstances. Uh, they were here uh, since they were children. So being undocumented does not mean you're against the law. It means you had unfortunate circumstances. You couldn't access the documentation process. That is pretty easy for some people. Mm. And I, I believe it might melt down to the two values, staying in line and empathy and understanding how our processes, how our, our laws are failing some people. And we have to acknowledge, Oregon has been for a very long time a whites-only state, and uh, we still have some uh, processes and procedures that is keeping Oregon uh, kind of only welcoming to white people. And if you're, uh, if you're not, you might be welcome here, and I felt very welcome in my community. I can see it. It's hard to go through some processes, including being documented. So I would appeal to the empathy of people and say, look, here's the thing. It's either being safe and prioritizing criminal activity to uh, be countered or possibly not being safe because we're distracted around the documentation issue and the immigration issue. I would choose really prioritizing if there is criminal activity, let the police go to the criminal activity. If it is about documentation and immigration, 
let's not put that as a priority. Let's not interrogate people about their documentation. And it has been proven uh, undocumented immigrants are less likely to commit crimes. And this is by the numbers. Uh, unfortunately, the media, and I would expect it happening here, will bring one or two uh, uh, narratives or incidents and they will inflate them. But by the numbers, it is safer if you are a neighbor of undocumented people. Um, by the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point about the uh, the the uh, laws and the and the and the culture within Oregon um, benefiting some and not others, mm -hmm. um, I, I I can't help but think a lot about the way that the press and uh, pundits like to talk about the economy. Even uh, we have record unemployment rates. Uh, re unemployment in Oregon just dropped below four percent. GDP continues to break records. And does it feel more equal in our economy? Does it? Does do you really think that uh, that um, the economy is benefiting everyone, or is it just benefiting those at the top? And I think that that's uh, you know wh uh, whether it's uh, you know poor folks, people of color, working class folks, blue collar folks, um, you know immigrants. Um, you know this economy is not helping everyone. It's not uh, benefiting everyone. So I think um, with a with a critical eye towards the economic um, news of the day. Uh, I think you can draw a lot of parallels. Uh, absolutely, to, uh, absolutely, and I believe that economical side of uh, things might be an appealing point but for folks who might lost a job because of the timbering industry uh, or anything else. Uh, uh, immigrants are not taking your jobs. Uh, they are actually taking, most of immigrants take the jobs that uh, standard, the average middle class Americans are not taking or not interested in. Uh, jobs are being taken by uh, technology, uh, by competitiveness of other nations. And uh, one way to deal with this is to empower everyone, including immigrants, to have the economy boosted and to have equal access to education. So Equal access to unions as well. Equal access to unions as well, absolutely. So we can uh, fend for our rights together. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just briefly, Sammy, um, could you tell us a little bit, maybe listeners I, I would think might be curious about, what one of the most unexpected outcomes of AFT's work around sanctuary campuses has been uh, in terms of um, what it has meant to members that otherwise might not have been engaged in their union. Just I'm curious if there is something that jumps out at you as an unexpected outcome. I believe the unexpected outcome is we're getting more folks signed up uh, to unions. Uh, because with the Janus ruling, people are afraid that uh, people will be signing off the union because they have the liberty to do so. Uh, but from what I understand from the national trend, uh, people are signing in. Mm -hmm. uh, you might have three or four or five signing off uh, and saying, I don't want to be a union member anymore. Mm -hmm. But probably 10 times of that uh, has been joining uh, uh, some locals uh, mm -hmm. uh, since uh, Janus. And I, I think one element will be now we should organize and uh, we will be organizing together and locals where uh, union members are not going to be saying uh, we want to only do collective bargaining, which is important, but also we want to speak up for on behalf of our kids and children and say, mm -hmm. is this a safe environment yeah. for our children? Yeah, that's great. And I think it's an important uh, lesson for um, the labor movement today, right? In a really challenging time uh, with the recent Janos ruling, I think the trend that you mentioned about um, being appealing to members at a time when they may maybe have an option to opt out of their union and there's a, uh, a, a funded, well-funded campaign to do so mm -hmm. uh, to keep uh, workers from um, joining together and, uh, and coming together to solve problems and uh, improve their standards. Um, you know, I think, that, uh, I think that it's really exciting to see examples of tapping into the whole uh, 
person mm -hmm. uh, of our members in terms of the things that they care about, that care about their kids, that they educate, they care about the community that they live in, they care about the patients that they serve, they care about lots of things beyond just the rights that they have in the workplace. And so it's great to hear that firsthand experience. Um, so a big part of our podcast is uh, giving listeners the tools needed to get involved in the issues that we're highlighting. So Christina, tell us a little, uh, a little bit about, um, you know, for Oregon voters, uh, you know, give us the, the, you know, where they might go to learn more about the campaign uh, and to get involved because this is such a critical issue and we've just got a couple months before voters are going to face it. Yeah, um, so they can go to orunited.org to get more info. They can also go to our Facebook page, um, Instagram, Twitter, and follow us at Oregonians United Against Profiling. Um, we'll also be um, starting to go out in the community and talk to folks about Measure 105. Um, starting with this weekend, the 28th, we'll be across the state from Salem to Portland to Astoria to um, Bend and Medford um, talking to folks about Measure 105 and why they should say no. And that will be happening this 28th um, across the state from 10 to 2 p.m. Great. And so it sounds like workers and union members and activists can get involved uh, by going to the website, attending some of the kickoffs that are happening maybe this weekend. Yes. Um, what about in the ne like the month and a half uh, you know ahead as the campaign really gears up? Are the, I'm sure there's going to be canvases and phone banks and yeah, text banks and stuff exactly. like that. Yeah, exactly. We'll need to get everyone <laughs> to come with us to knock on doors to talk to voters about this is about why this is important. And um, one way they can follow us is obviously on our Facebook and our website for future actions. Um, sign our pledge, make sure to register to vote if you haven't registered to vote, um, and then turn out to vote this November. Fantastic. And it's a no vote. No on 105. Okay, just wanted to make sure. <laughs> that can be confusing to folks. So yeah. uh, we're against profiling communities. Uh, we're, we're for making communities safer, uh, and uh, we're advocating a no on Measure 105 um, uh, vote in November. Um, so, uh, Sammy, tell us a little bit about what, uh, what, what workers... Uh, can do to um, to help make sanctuary campuses happen in their communities. I assume that there's been robust conversations within AFT and the different locals at different uh, community college and uh, uh, and uh, public university campuses um, within Oregon. But um, tell us a little bit about what's happening, how workers can get involved, and what's some of the next steps in this important work in Oregon. Absolutely. If you're a local leader or even if you're a one worker who wants to get started, I would say go right away to Google and search for Corvallis School Board Rights of Undocumented Students. And there is a sample language for you that you can print out and ask your campus, uh, whether it is the uh, uh, president or the board of trustees or the school board, if uh, you're in K through 12, ask them to pass a similar resolution. Mm -hmm. Go to the city, ask them to pass a similar resolution or statement or policy on a city level and the commissioners on a commissioner level. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's very important on uh, the local level, even uh, though it is very important and I encourage everyone to vote no on Measure 105, mm -hmm. the discussion will happen through knocking on doors, phone banking, and also local action. If we get everyone invested in making sure the sanctuary concept is being understood and we pass it through school boards and campuses, uh, I really hope people will show up uh, to vote. Uh, so I would uh, recommend people to do the following. Uh, go for a sample resolution. AFT National will have uh, uh, some uh, toolkits for folks to download and advocate whenever they talk to their uh, university officials or uh, school uh, districts. Uh, I want them to advocate for that. And at the same time, I want them to uh, make sure that we vote no and we encourage everyone to vote no on Measure 105. 
Uh, I, I have been here in, uh, for six months and, uh, sorry, six years and six months in Oregon and probably five or six days. Uh, I want in November to still feel welcome and I believe the sanctuary status will make me feel welcome as an Oregonian uh, and uh, will make many people feel uh, that this is their home. Well, uh, obviously that's been, um, you know, it's really helpful to hear all the different ways that people can get involved. There's obviously a ballot measure fight in the coming months right in front of us, so we must defeat Measure 105. There's also local action that can be really inspiring, can be a great organizing opportunity for local unions as well. Um, Clearly, uh, AFT locals around the state are doing this, um, and and I know there's other cities and uh, jurisdictions that have passed similar resolutions, uh, led and uh, supported by um, community partners in the immigrant rights community as well. And um, I'm really inspired, so thank you uh, both for being here. But uh, before we wrap up, any uh, final thoughts from either of you about uh, kind of the topics that we've talked about today? Anything, any final words you want to leave listeners, Christina? Vote no on 105. <laughs> no, no on Measure 105. And I think I captured it right. Uh, visit orunited.org yes. is the website. Okay, yeah. so you can learn about all the happenings of the campaign. Um, and Christina and the campaign team are doing great work, so uh, we expect a victory in defeating Measure 105 in November, uh, but not without your support. Um, Sammy, any final words? Vote no on 105 and tell people <laughs> to vote no on 105. Uh, the, as of your life depends on it, because I know the welfare and the lives of many people to feel that this is their home depends on your vote no. Absolutely. Well, thank you both again for joining us. Uh, Thanks to our listeners for uh, tuning in. Uh, Please share our podcast with your friends, family, and coworkers if you liked what you heard and you've been listening to the Voice of Oregon's Workers.